This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Rubin. How you doing? I'm doing lovely this afternoon. It's, it was hot today. It is. It's were getting you... hotter tomorrow. Is it? That's what I've heard. Yeah. I mean, I don't have my thumb on the pulse of weather by any means, but I've heard from informed folk that we're, it's getting warmer. We're on the street. <laughs> we're on the street, yeah. It is on the street. Everyone uh, talks about the weather. I went uh, down coast today. I was just taking pictures along the coast and went nice. to Santa Cruz, and it was a nice day. It's, this is the kind of day you want to be down on the coast, right? right? Although, I don't know. I feel like down the coast is, there's a division between, like, northern and southern California, somewhere between San Francisco and San Everything Jose. else. Yeah. It just gets so hot down there, whereas here it's normally cooler. Yeah, but if you stay sort of like Pacifica, Half Moon Bay, like along, literally along the coast, it's very nice. Got the marina effect. Yeah. Um, So I'm excited about our guest today. We have, um, I'd like to introduce you and introduce everyone to Shelby Diamond. Shelby, how are you doing? Hi, Shelby. Hello. Lovely to meet you guys. Where are you today? Where did we find you? You're kind of a globetrotter. (laughs) Um, Currently, I am in Michigan. I'm back home. Um, I'm getting ready to leave. I leave on Tuesday for Italy. Permanently or just like a vacation? Um, The idea is to not come back. I'm going to be there for at least a year. And and then once my student visa is up, I'm going to apply for a stay permit and just Just camp out in Italy? Anywhere in particular in Italy that you're moving to? Um, yes, I'm moving to Salerno, which is about an hour south of Naples. I love the idea that you're going to camp out in Italy until until you just have to come home or never come home. I think that's a fantastic plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very jealous. Um, I think it's worth mentioning. Like, So uh, you and I haven't met, but I've sort of been a fan of your photography for uh, from social media, I, I suppose. And um, I'm really excited that you're joining us on our show, even though we, we aren't personal friends, but you have a, a really um, wonderful style. I, I love your photography. And actually, coincidentally, you print your work at Neo Modern. So I've seen it come through. Is that how you guys first met then? Or how no, 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 no. I just, I mean, complete, I think it's completely different. I, I knew your work from social media and you started printing at Neo Modern. Did you know that we were connected? Did you know that? No, at first I didn't, and then it was a. I think it was a while before I put two and two together, and I was like, "Oh, hey." <laughs> so, so I would tell our guests, you know, you're moving to Italy, but as far as I remember, you've spent the last bunch of months, or I guess not a whole year, in South America. Is that right? It was eleven months, so just under a year. Um, yeah, and I lived. I lived in Colombia. I lived in Bogota, Colombia. And what were you doing there? Um, living. <laughs> and, like, and taking pictures? Were you... Uh, yeah, of course. I'm always taking pictures. That's, yeah. I, that's how I live. And um, that's my whole life is pictures. Um, wow. And I had, my, I had a dark room down there. And I 
gave a lecture at the University of Fine Arts in, Car in Cartagena. And, and um, I, yeah, I just kept shooting, basically. I moved down there because I was dating a Colombian, and he needed to move back that's Home usually how the start stories start. Like, well, I was dating this guy. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're in South America. <laughs> it's actually how I ended up here in the U.S., so <laughs> I totally feel your yeah. pain. <laughs> um, but I had never been there before. I just kind of was like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. So, so can I – I want to um, describe – or maybe you could describe a little bit about your photographic process because – uh, unlike a lot of people, I think is all your work on film on actual silver film, or do you have a combination of media that you use? So I, it's all film, but I do a combination of Polaroid, which is I do all of my Polaroid enlargements through Neo Modern, oh. and then I make all of my own um, silver gelatin prints from my negatives, and I use. I do medium format mainly now, but I, I do miss 35 millimeters, so I dug mine out of storage and I'm bringing it with me to Italy. <laughs> do you know where to get stuff? Do you have a, are you going to have a dark room in Italy or you, is there a place you know you can go? I'll probably have a dark room in Italy again. Um, that's my plan. Uh, Right now I have one set up in my dad's garage and it's been amazing. I've been printing nonstop for like two weeks. Can you just talk about, um, so your photography is um, sensual, I guess, and you are both photographer and frequently the model and you handle both sides of that, right? That is correct. How did that evolve? So I, I guess that I would, I would really say that I, my whole photography adventure began with self-portraiture. Um, when I was 16, I was removed from high school because my parents um, were very, I was raised fourth, genera fourth generation Jehovah's Witness, and I was not a good Jehovah's Witness teenager, and, <laughs> and they were like, well, maybe it's better if you don't go to high school because it's full of temptation, not witness heathens. <laughs> so, wow. so I didn't go to high school starting from like the end of freshman year, and I uh, got my GED and went to community college, and that's when I started darkroom printing. Um, I started taking like traditional black and white photography courses there, and I was home alone all the time and wasn't allowed to be friends with non-Jehovah's Witnesses, and the Jehovah's Witness kids weren't allowed to hang out with me, so I just used myself as a model, and I guess that's how it all began. Are you still a Jehovah's Witness? Oh, no. no, no. <laughs> I wanted to just get that out of the way, oh, to be honest. I didn't imagine that Oh, no. <laughs> You've seen her work. No, it I doesn't have, seem yeah. sort of religious in its uh, nature. There's a lot of no, self-exploration. Ex stunning and beautiful and sublime. I mean, well, I okay. Know. But there's a lot of self-exploration. Yeah. And would you say that the search for identity is a part of your work or... Absolutely, and maybe like reclaiming my my identity and my sexuality and my autonomy of my body. I guess um, it's it's very stifling to be raised a young woman as a Jehovah's Witness. 
and sex is not a positive thing. It's a very cold and mechanical necessity that you do for your husband type of deal. So, <laughs> do you have any siblings? No. Oh, so you're an only child without um, any friends that you were allowed to hang out with or that would sort of hang out with you and then just your parents. That I can imagine how isolating that must have felt. Well, I want to clarify that up until my mid-teens, I did have a lot of friends. But then when I started really rebelling against the religion is when word got out because, like, the elders have to make public announcements when you've been bad, quote-unquote, and they tell everybody. So then, yeah. So then that's when my friends all kind of, like, were a little weary about me. Can I ask a question, and this, if you don't want to answer, you don't have to, but with everything that you've done and all the work that you've made kind of globally, what is the relationship like with your parents now and what you've created? Um, my dad and I are super duper close, and he helped build my dark room. He came back from Seattle to set that up for me so I could use it while I was here, and but he doesn't he doesn't want to see any of it, which I understand, so that's fine. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and my mom and I are getting better. <laughs> um, but it's it's complicated and, and hard for everybody involved, but we, my mom and I are improving, I will say that. I'm certain the content of your photography must disturb your parents. I'm sure it freaks them out completely but at the same time it's not that crazy and it's not like I mean they used to take me to museums it's not like they've never seen nude art before so okay I don't know. <laughs> when you start shooting or when you start working on something do you have like an initial concept that you're trying to explore or is it something Maybe that there's just like a inspiring physical thing, like the light or a chair or an object that sort of inspires you. I think it's probably the latter, as well as how I'm feeling in that moment. Sometimes I don't. I'm so overwhelmed with life, and I don't know how to express myself. And I pull out my camera, and I set it up, and I jump in front of the frame, and then everything around me just melts away and intuitively I pose or make a certain expression and whatever comes out like that's what happened and that was what was meant to happen I suppose. Do you use a timer? Are you using a clicker? Like what are the, I'm actually fascinated that this is how you work through your feelings just because I think um, I think it's really beautiful and what you come up with is is, is provocative but it tells a story. Like I, you look at it longer than just like, a, oh, that's a beautiful woman. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I use a 10 second timer that's on my camera. So I set up my shot. Most of the time, if I'm shooting alone, I have a second tripod that I use um, as my focus stand in. And then I click the shutter. I have 10 seconds to get into place. I throw the tripod out. I pose, take the shot, and then do it all over again. Wow. 
But because it's analog, so you don't know whether you got what you were hoping for. You're going to try it a few times. I mean, I'm guessing you're going to try something. But a few times, but, you know, every shot costs money, so you have to be pretty intentional. And if it really is not going to happen, then it's just not meant to be. Wow. And did you have you ever tried all this with digital so you could see what was going on and prefer the analog, or this is just the way you love to do it? I've, I've had, I own a digital camera. I used to have an online vintage store and I would use my digital camera um, to shoot the inventory. Um, but it just doesn't, I don't have a connection to it. And honestly, it, it's way too much to think about. It's, and I don't want to be thinking about that when I'm shooting um, my own personal work because that's not what it's about. In the process of kind of working on your aesthetic and coming up with what you're shooting now, is there a photo that you can think of or maybe even a photo shoot that comes to mind that was your pivot? Um, I think, honestly, if you look back at my really early work, um, you can still see a lot of what you would see in my newer work. But I do think that a photo that stands out to me is a photograph that I took, a self-portrait, um, in the rain in my dad's leather bomber jacket that he wore in high school. And um, my the wind is blowing and it's covering my face. And my knuckles are really showing and there's a lot of tension in them. Um, I think that photograph is very telling of the turmoil that was happening with at home and uh, feeling frustrated with being stuck in a religious cult. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I would think, I think that that photograph, uh, it was the beginning, if, if you will. How long ago was that? That was 10 years ago. Um, is there something about the process of shooting that, that you knew it was going to be different? I, no, again, like a lot of times I just set up the camera and then whatever happens when I step in front happens. Uh, how did uh, Instagram change your work? I mean, I found you on Instagram. I think actually I knew other photographic artists who followed you and so it, maybe it was recommended or something, but I started seeing your work and it was... No, it was qualitatively different than anyone else I had seen. It's like, it, I think because of the film and the the way you use yourself in the pictures, but they're not all you. Sometimes they're just sort of scenes you create. Are they imaginary scenes? Or are you are these um, tableaus you're setting up, or are they or are they moments from your life and you're grabbing them? I would say both. Hmm. Some of them, some of them are tales that I have come up and I want to tell the viewer. Sometimes I'm playing a character in my own self-portraiture and other times they are diary photos of my actual life. I guess I mix them together and it's left to the viewer to put it all together. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had the photographer <clears throat> we had the photographer Jason Langer uh, on last month and he I, I mean, I've always loved his work, and I didn't really realize he was creating these sort of fictional stories and illustrating a, a, an imaginary world with real stuff. And I, 
I've never done that in, in my picture taking. It's a kind of a, a leap for a, a, a photographer, for any photographer to move from sort of documenting your life or what you see in your world to telling a story, um, like a fictional, kind of quasi-fictional story. That's a, that's a sort of cognitive leap. Um, have, have you always done that? Or, like, was that a moment for you of, of change where you thought, oh, this doesn't have to really be autobiographical. It's just a story I'm telling. Um, I guess, like, when I was younger and was just starting out with self-portraiture, I remember taking pictures and pretending to be not myself. Um, so I guess it wasn't always autobiographic and some sort of autobiography uh, within my self-portraiture. Um, but like, when I was working for Todd Heido, who I believe is a master at uh, telling a narrative through photo books. Um, I was more inspired to jump into the sort of semi-fictional storytelling within my work. And I think that that's when I started doing it more conscientiously. That's actually an, an interesting uh, point I'd like to explore for a second. You worked with Todd Haida, so many people may have heard of Todd Haida. And he's a he's a well collected, well respected, fine art photographer. How did you end up working with him, and what was your work like? Um, a mutual friend of ours uh, learned that I was a photographer, and she said that I had to meet Todd, and that he would, and that he would probably want to photograph me. And I remember I found him on Model Mayhem, and I sent him a message, and. He took he didn't respond to me for months, and I was really offended at first. I was like, "Well, fine." <laughs> <laughs> and then and then and then he wrote to me, and he was like, "Hi, Shelby. So sorry that I didn't write back to you. Um, I was really busy working on a specific project, but now that's done, and I have more time to do other things. And honestly, you were just too classy for what I was looking for." <laughs> <laughs> Did he end up shooting you? Yeah, so I he came over for a photo shoot, and he's a really he's a massive photo book collector, and he was looking through my photo books, and he noticed that I was published in one of them, and he said, "Oh, you are a photographer, you are a self-portrait artist," and I said, "I am," and then he looked through the book, and he was like, "Oh, you're pretty good," and then he left, and then the next day he emailed me and he said, hey, do you know how to use a scanner? And I was like, yes, I know how to use a scanner. <laughs> and I was like, I scan all of my own negatives, and he was like, great, do you want to be my intern? So I went in, and then like a few days later, he was like, hey, do you want to be paid? And I was like, hell yeah, yes. I want to be paid. Yes, that sounds like a great yes idea. usually the answer to that question. <laughs> um, cool, so and how long did you work with him? I worked for him for about two years. I did all of his archiving and I cataloged his um, photo book collection, library, and I produced shoots for him. It was really fun. What was your biggest uh, like learning from working with someone kind of of that caliber? I don't even know and begin. <laughs> I learned so much from that man. <laughs> That's awesome. Can you give us a couple ideas? Like... Um, he 
pretty like the biggest one that sticks out to me was that he would tell me that pretty is boring and to not be gimmicky. Like that's why he would always tell me. Pretty is boring <laughs> and not to be gimmicky. That should be a poster. Yeah. Yeah. It is well, boring. And, and honestly, and your pictures um, are are beautiful without being pretty. They're certainly not like cloying. And um, yeah, I think he took that to heart. I don't know what your stuff was like before, but it's like. It... Oh, I I think that I don't I think that he actually preferred my older work, and that has always haunted me. <laughs> I was like, who gets better when they get older? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're. Well, I mean, I haven't seen your work chronologically, so I'm not sure which direction you're going. But I've seen a bunch of your work, and I I enjoy it. I think I'm going to go back now and try to look at it from old to new and see. If I see something there in that that trend of some kind, but it brings up an interesting question. Uh, so, Victoria, what keeps you up at night? Like, what what is the thing that pervades your evenings and your early mornings, where you wake up with an idea or a stress? What is it? Currently, it's this negative that I cannot come up with the right print recipe for. <laughs> And it's driving me insane. And um, but it's an important photograph to me, and I have to get it just right before I can release it to the world. But um, it's expensive. Um, yeah, it's a photograph where I am. It's a self-portrait, and it's in a studio setting, which is rare for my work because I usually do not have access to studios. And um, it's there's an empty chair, a little like wooden, cute, weird, skinny chair, and I'm on the ground next to it, curled up into a ball, and you can see my spine pretty well, and like a perfect curl down my back of my hair, um, and the the contrast, the the blacks are so rich in black, but the highlights are really glowy, and I'm having a really hard time balancing out and getting the two extremes without compromising the other. Oh, it sounds so cool. Do you model for other people, or do you not? Is, because I've seen your work of yourself, right? But um, it's, I can it, for a lot of people, it's awkward being photographed nude. And I wonder if you trust other photographers to shoot you and are curious about how they, they interpret your form uh, or you just like, it's not, it's like, it's your own body and your own pictures and you don't do that. I do a lot of modeling. I actually am a travel, like I, when I travel, I usually book shoots as the model um, and it's really fun. I like collaborating with other photographers and I like being amused. I like both honestly but I am first and foremost a photographer and I do think that um, I I don't know there are some photographers that capture me in a way that I can't capture of myself like Lou Noble for instance he can take pictures of me that are really honest and beautiful and it's in a way that I am not capable of even doing of myself so you get something different out of it when you work with another person I think that sounds so cool. Like, what is, can you describe what's different? Is it just he recognizes a moment that you don't produce on your own when you know the cameras, like when you're going to take the picture? I think maybe he appreciates moments that I would have otherwise overlooked. Oh. And he, 
and he has a way of getting people just really genuine, like at their most genuine moments and there's no filters on them. Um, it's very, he, he, he can't take a bad picture of anyone. <laughs> what a great thing to say about a photographer. Seriously. <laughs> Incredible compliment. Yeah. What if, what have you learned about being a model for other photographers that you've taken to heart as you give direction to other models that you may be shooting? Um, I think it's more that I give direction based on knowing, like, I was shooting myself for so long before I started modeling for other people. I knew what to do based on just because I taught myself. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that knowing, being a photographer and knowing what you want to compose the image and then also knowing what it feels like on the other side of the camera is really beneficial. And you can be very precise in your direction and not come across as super creepy. That's like a really good... (laughs) For a photographer. (laughs) Yes, as a photographer. Um, and, And also like a lot of times models are really into posing and sometimes... I'm not interested in a pose. I'm. I, I want. I want more of an emotion, an emotive image, or like even just using them for scale. <laughs> so I've had to like, tell models to just like take a deep breath and put their arms down and just stand there and <laughs> and um and start from there. And uh, Lou, I remember when I first shot with him the very first time, he had me punch him as hard as I could in his stomach and took a picture of my, of of me at that very moment. And after that, like, I was, I felt really comfortable with him forever. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's a very unusual, that's an unusual thing. Um, so I have a question. Um, because of the way you do this, where you set up the tripod, you put the camera on a timer, and then you basically have 10 seconds to get into frame and get into wherever. And get uh, into character. And get into whatever you're doing. There's, there has to be an element of serendipity or of, of something unexpected. It's a funny combination. You've composed this shot without you, or you've got a tripod standing where you're going to be. You've got an idea in your head what might what you're maybe going for. Have you ever had, I mean, it must have happened, but maybe can you describe your most happy accident in that scenario? <laughs> you know, where you, the picture you got wasn't what you were going for, but it's a great, it's something you love. And what was that experience for you? Great question. <laughs> or does that happen all the time? I mean, I guess in some ways it happens all the time because you never really know what you're going to get. Like, you don't see what, what the shutter sees, you know, because the shutter's in the way mm-hmm. when the mirror flips up. So, um, the, let me think. Um, one of my favorite accidents ever was not a self portrait, it was a picture that I took of a model, and it was in Golden Gate park in San Francisco and she was standing next to the lake and the Polaroid film just happened to fog over her head ever so perfectly and it looks like this giant cloud just it looks like her head is a cloud and it's one of my favorite pictures ever um and that was a complete accident 
Does it concern uh, you that the Polaroids are going to or frequently don't survive time? You know, it's not a particularly archival medium, unlike the rest of your stuff. Well, so far, it's fine. The only time it was really concerning was when it was Impossible Project, like the first three years of their existence. Now, their film is super great. Um, it's not the same as Polaroid. The tones are different. It'll never be exactly the, what, the same as what Polaroid once was, but actual old Polaroids from like the 70s still look pretty good. I'm I'm not too worried about it. I think they'll be fine. I remember looking at some of the David Hockney's. I feel like they have to really work to keep them out of light, you know, to protect them. It's Yeah. It's, you need to be I make the mistake of just having them all up on my wall. <laughs> 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 and then my friend who works at a muse as like a, a curator for a museum, she was like, um, I think you should put those in sleeves and so I did. It's <laughs> so, good to have those friends. Always looking out. <laughs> well so we have a question. If you could describe your work in one word what word would you use? Oh. <laughs> um, that's that's a really hard question to answer. I don't know how to answer that. I it depends on like what time frame you're talking about too. I feel like yeah, it changes so much. Um, what would you say would be a word to describe your work now? Right now? Um, right now, I think my work is haunted. Ooh. It's still haunted from my past and trying to like sort through my that lost identity and making a whole new life for myself and it, I'm still working through all of that so mm -hmm. I think that it's still there and that's what I'm still doing I'm working on my next book is going to be a volume two from my uh, book that I published last summer it's called Summer Between Psychosis and Neurosis and where can it be purchased just for our listeners so we can uh, promote that where could you buy that <laughs> um, you can get that in my shop I, it's a big big cartel shops to shelbydiamond.bigcartel.com um, we'll have links to that in the show notes perfect yeah. okay um when I, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, and when I began researching what that meant, my work made a whole lot more sense to me. I, I realized that I had been photographing the symptoms of that, as well as the repercussions of being raised a witness and being excommunicated from your family. and everything else that comes with it and um, so I published I, I was like okay this is what I've been doing for the last decade or so and I wanted to make a book out of it mm -hmm. and when I was in France I had a talk with a, a man who reviewed the book and he said that he wished that there was more context and I I look back and I was I do agree that there there's not a whole lot of text and it leaves a, a lot up to the viewer to kind of put two and two together on their own so volume two is going to be called what i forgot to tell you and <laughs> great title. 
<laughs> it's, um, it's going to have uh, journal excerpts and um, stories and more text in general to give the pictures more context because I think that the story gives the work a bit more um, impact, if you will. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to get into any technical conversation, but I am a little curious what you actually are shooting on. You said it's a medium format camera. What are, what are you using? I use a Hasselblad 500cm. That's a friggin' nice camera. <laughs> I am the best thing I have ever purchased in my life. <laughs> Hands down. Wow, that's a great camera. Um, that is fluid water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> that the, your two best purchases. Yeah. Second yeah. uh, ones. Yeah, you, you said you, you said you had some of the Polaroids up on your wall. I was curious, I know you're very mobile and you're, you're about to move again, but um, I'm always interested in inspiration and the truest inspiration sometimes are the pictures that you put up on your own walls. What What's up on your walls? Like both by you, I'd love, I'm curious what pictures are up that you've taken and by other photographers. Right now I have none of my pictures up anywhere because I'm so, I'm in my parents' house right now and I've been here for like two months and before that I was with my grandpa for like a week but then he googled my name and was like you can't live here (laughs) (laughs) god that's terrible jeez um right now I can tell you what I have around me I'm working on a Polaroid project about home and and I wanted to do a project that was not self-portraits and so that's different for me and really sweet and nice. I like them a lot and um, I have them out right now because I'm getting ready to scan them before I leave. What about by other photographers? Do you have who, at least uh, who inspires you? Let's see. Right now, um, oh, I have a print of Brittany Markert's next to me because I'm taking it with me to Italy. Um, it's a self-portrait that she did of the two of us. She's a really big inspiration, and she's an amazing printmaker. Like, I, her prints are really great, and she's kind of like a printmaster genius woman. (laughs) so cool. You know, P, I don't think the public understands the power of a physical print. There's still, there's so much digital and online imagery can you, are you able to describe what makes a physical print so when, I mean, I, I feel it, there's something luscious, there's something about it, but there's more than it's being tactile. What, what is it about a physical print? I mean, you have complete control over the entire process and the physical print is, um, actually it's silver paper. So it's completely different than just throwing ink onto a piece of paper in it by a laser jet printer versus developing a silver gelatin print in chemicals Mm. it's just a completely different look yes it is yeah it's really rich and delicious uh, you know i um (laughs) it's kind of a side note i I was when i opened neo-modern there's a gallery here you should come by if you're in san francisco ever again i don't know um come by come by yeah (laughs) So so there's a gallery and i have parts of my collection on the wall so there's Cartier-Bresson's and there's Cortege and there's but they're silver prints and I was concerned that 
when we put up modern prints by either our customers or artists we like that they would because they're um you know inkjet prints of that it would just look so different that we, I, it would be difficult to convince people to make these inkjet prints because the silver prints look so different but i've been surprised that i'd say consumers certainly and even experts aren't always sure they can't always tell looking at a print whether it was a, a silver print or not I agree with that. There are very convincing, very nice inkjet prints and C-type prints out there. It's not impossible to do. It's amazing that it's come yeah. to that. Like, it didn't used to be that way. You would know immediately if something was either shot digitally or printed on a non-silver format, but th that's gone away. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Um, let's go back to Instagram for a second. So you use Instagram. They let you put your pictures on Instagram? How much editing do you have to do or censoring do you have to do? They, they let you put your pictures on Instagram? <laughs> well, your, I mean your pictures. <laughs> they let you do that? <laughs> uh, I think I know where he's going here. Um, <laughs> super duper, super censored by Instagram. I, I hate Instagram. <laughs> if I didn't have to have one, it would be so great. But... I think that it's not, first of all, they do not implement their guidelines fairly. Correct. We'll just put that. I just want to, yes. you know, okay. So it if they un, un, then I would not. Unevenly distributed rules. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if they did do it fairly, I would not have an issue. But because I have in the past, I had to like stop basically talking about my XJW activism and being an atheist and all this stuff. I basically had to stop because I was getting reported all the time, even for pictures that, like, I had a picture of my dog removed. Hmm. And why? Um, because I was make I make these people angry. I'm pretty sure they're Jehovah's Witnesses. Like, I don't know who else would be so in a tizzy over me. Like, huh. so, um, I've had like five. Instagram accounts removed. My last big one was at 21,000 followers when they removed it. Oh, I was, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, and I liked that name a lot. It was not <laughs> Shelby. And I really miss that name. <laughs> oh, that's right. That was the one that was, I, that's when I met you. It was not Shelby Diamond. Yeah, now I'm that Shelby Diamond. That I really Shelby Diamond. <laughs> And you have backup accounts, like you, you copy stuff into multiple accounts so that if someone kills one account, you've got the other one going? That's what I was doing, but then they even deleted a fully private account. So then I was really discouraged, but I have a PG account that my dad was like, can you make an Instagram account that doesn't have any nudity? And I was like, you've got it. So that account, <laughs> <laughs> that account is Spooky Shelby, and like that's never had anything removed because it's so mom and dad friendly it's completely pg um <laughs> that one i think will always be there so i have that as my backup but my backup 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 was shelby shoots and that one got deleted too so who knows wow <laughs> yeah I, I mean both instagram i feel the same way about facebook but instagram in particular it's like i, I hate these oh. i hate them but they it's a necessary feel, evil. it seems like it you have to do it as a photographer now any better i have two facebook accounts because i'm constantly in facebook jail and i just had both my accounts banned for 30 days so i was like completely out. Oh, man <laughs> what do you think, think like the, for, the way forward could be in an ideal world for photographers it, yeah 
uh, I think that like this weird path of puritism and like it feels like we're living in the handmaid's tale honestly I think that if we didn't go down that path it would be really great for photographers yeah. <laughs> I think we and I also think that it would be really great if people could value quality over quantity in, in so many ways like it would be great for the earth we could even start there but yeah. um, I, I think that that would be an ideal world for photographers is if we lived in a place where consumers valued quality over quantity I, yeah I almost feel like we should end on that that's an awesome beautiful. thought that's a really <laughs> sweet thought Shelby I really appreciate your spending some time with us um, I, and wish you luck in Italy I'm sure you'll have just an amazingly phenomenal time. Are you so excited? I'm so friggin' excited. <laughs> <laughs> when do you leave exactly? On Tuesday. Oh my god. And are you packed and everything? Like, are you good to go? No. I'm like, pile of prints that I'm mailing out right now, and then I'm looking at like all of my underwear across the room that I need to pack, and it's just a mad madness. <laughs> Please stay in touch, and anytime you might be coming through San Francisco, let us know. Um, you can come to. see Neo Modern. We can, you know, hang out. It'd be lovely to meet you in person. Yeah. Yeah, and well, I'm still like, I'm still planning on using Neo Modern for my Polaroid enlargement. So you have not heard the last of me. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> that's good. Well, thank you again. <laughs> Uh, and Suzanne, let's wrap it up. All right. Well, thank you. Biggest thank you to Shelby Diamond. Lovely conversation. Thank you so much for being our guest. Our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. Please leave reviews and ratings on iTunes, and don't forget to subscribe. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, send them a link. Thank you to our sponsors, HD Buttercup and Fully. Thanks to Shelby for joining us tonight and Mitchell Foreman for our theme music and all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about until next time.